Hello, fellow travelers, and welcome to Adventures in Security, episode 42 for October 28, 2006. I'm your host, Tom Olzak. You can find the information covered in our episodes at adventuresinsecurity.com on the podcast page. If you're interested in commenting on what you hear or about topics you'd like us to talk about, please send email to podcasts at adventuresinsecurity.com. This episode consists of three topics. A commentary on official business use of iPods, security as a process, and how programmers at one company are stepping up to meet security challenges. And additional information about managing security can be found in my book, Just Enough Security, available at Amazon.com, and if you're interested in the electronic version, at dppstore.com. Let's move into our first segment, which is actually a commentary on something I saw on a Fox News report about using iPods for business training. In that report, Regina Lewis of AOL was interviewed about the benefits of businesses using iPods for training purposes. These companies actually issue iPods to their employees so they can download and watch training videos or listen to training audio. Lewis's reaction to the news and that of the host was very positive. In fact, the iPod training program was touted as a great money-saving idea. Well, I'd like to add a little balance. I and many other security professionals have written papers and articles about the dangers of allowing the use of iPods and other mobile storage devices at the office. Users connecting storage devices, like iPods, capable of storing 30 gig or more of company data, present a serious threat. Lost iPods or other USB storage devices can potentially result in the compromise of sensitive information, including personally identifiable information, electronic protected health information, or intellectual property. I agree that the use of devices like iPods might be a good way to distribute training to employees, but controls must be in place. For example, iPod connectivity and the ability to load training material on them should be controlled. Only designated employees should have the ability to load and distribute information in a manner controlled by policy. There is a risk associated with an organization not only allowing the use of mobile storage devices, but actually encouraging their use. Such an organization must weigh the benefits against the potential negative business impact. I would hope that future reports from Fox demonstrate a greater sense of responsibility by informing its viewers of the potential risks related to the use of technology. Now let's move on to our next segment, which examines security as a process, not an end state. At an audit committee meeting this week, Internal Audit had some concerns about an application's account policy. Specifically, we have a policy that requires an account administrator to unlock an account that is locked after a certain number of failed login attempts. The application in question is set to automatically unlock such an account after five minutes. This setting was requested by the business users. They claim that a longer lockout period might negatively impact employee effectiveness. Due to changes in our security processes, I took the position that the reason for administrator intervention was no longer valid. We were in danger of falling into the we-have-always-done-it-that-way trap. The original reason for the policy setting was to make up for the lack of meaningful log reviews three years ago. In those days, neither failed nor successful logins were identified. This prevented us from discovering anomalous user behavior without a user calling the help desk asking that an account be unlocked or a password reset. 
today's environment is much different. Login attempts for all applications, including the OS, are logged. Further, a review of the logs is performed every day. The review is automated with scripts, so security analysts are not tied up for hours attempting to correlate log data. The review process often reveals potential issues before the help desk receives a call from the affected user. For the time being, we continue to insist on a short lockout period to defend against brute force and dictionary attacks. In a single-factor authentication environment, where only passwords are used, account lockouts are one way to prevent an attacker from quickly stepping through a series of guesses in order to authenticate to a target network. There are other reasons as well as disadvantages associated with using lockouts as a defense, but that's a topic for another episode. The point I want to make is that this is just one example of the danger inherent in not revisiting the reasons why a specific control is necessary. Characteristics of the controls should also be reviewed to ensure they provide reasonable and appropriate risk mitigation based on the current environment. The presence of a dynamic security program helps to improve controls over time to ensure better system assurance with fewer constraints on business operations. The result of the meeting was a change to the policy and to the manner in which the control is audited. More important was the awareness that each committee member must keep an open mind when the relevance of controls is questioned. We need to remember that security is a process, not an end state. Now on to our third and final segment about our development team and security. During the past several weeks, our software development teams have been transitioning quickly into a close partner of the IS security team. This week it all came together during a follow-up meeting about how best to handle web application vulnerabilities. About five weeks ago, I called the development managers together to discuss concerns about how the OWASP top 10 vulnerabilities are addressed in our development practices. Further, security was interested in the overall standards and guidelines followed to ensure safe internet and intranet processing environments. With the growing reliance of our business on browser-delivered applications and web service integration, it was important to take a look under the hood. The initial meeting went well. Both managers were open and interested. This wasn't surprising. They were already making a strong effort to ensure developer compliance with our security program. I found that although there were some holes, they were already checking for and mitigating most security flaws. As the meeting drew to a close, we agreed to get back together after the development teams had a chance to revisit their practices. The purpose of the follow-up meeting, the meeting held this week, was to review their recommendations for building security into every application developed in-house. I suspected they would come back to the table with recommendations pretty close to what we needed, but I never expected what they actually proposed. The following are the highlights. First, use the OWASP Top 10 list as a starting point for building programming standards and practices to achieve application security objectives. Second, create a joint development slash security team to define application security objectives. Third, schedule monthly meetings of the team to review how well we're meeting our objectives and to develop or improve processes to more consistently achieve them. Fourth, ensure that testing includes checking for compliance with defined security requirements and policies. And fifth, purchase a source, source code security assessment product to check for vulnerabilities that might have been missed in development or testing. 
In my opinion, this list is a commitment by development to full engagement with security. This is a result of a year-long effort to sell the information services staff on the importance of reasonable and appropriate security practices. Development has been the quickest to sign up due to strong support for our efforts within the development management team. The other information services teams are moving in the right direction. I'm hopeful that development's clear commitment to security will drive other IS teams to see us as a partner in delivering functional systems with an acceptable level of assurance. Well, that's it for this episode, and I thank you for joining me, and until next time, be careful what you click. Thank you.